folks, your hosts Ben and Britt here from the Paddle Movement podcast. Today, we're welcoming the number one American player, Nico Agritelli. He's been representing the US national team since 2019. He's competed in the Pan American Games, and he's also represented the red, white, and blue for the Paddle 2021 World Championships that took place in Qatar. In this episode, he tells us what it was like to compete in the Pro Paddle League, or PPL as it's now known, uh, for the Arkansas Matrix team, and how it felt to be awarded the MVP of the inaugural season. He tells us about his next landmark of receiving a wild card into the main draw of the first A1 paddle tournament held in the USA in none other than Central Park in New York, and how he and his partner Luis Estrada won their first round match in a tough three-set match and became the first American team to win a round in the A1 paddle circuit. He also gives us an insight into who his idols were growing up, and they're two very interesting ones as well. All this and more to come, so enjoy the show. Okay, well, hi, everyone, and uh, welcome to this latest episode of The Paddle Movement. And I'm delighted to say we are uh, very much live today in a paddle paddle environment. I can hear the ball being hit behind us, and we're with uh, Nico Agritelli, the US number one uh, player. Nico, thanks so much for joining Britt and I. Thank you. I appreciate the invite. I'm super excited to be on The Paddle Movement. Brilliant. Well, let's get straight into it. Um, let's start at the beginning, if I can, or close to the beginning. How did you even get into paddle? And how did you, you know, tell us a little bit about growing up and your environment and your love for sport and, mm-hmm. and what led you to paddle? So I, I grew up playing tennis in, uh, in Dallas, Texas at T-Barm Racket Club. Um, I started playing tennis when I was three years old, um, played a bunch of other sports. And then at uh, 10 years old, I decided to dedicate myself to tennis. Uh, kept playing tennis. Then in high school, I approached my parents about doing an abbreviated, uh, like an abbreviated high school. Um, so I actually, starting in tenth grade, I dropped out of regular school and I went to a charter school, so I could play tennis in the morning, uh, go to school for a couple hours, and then come back and train again in the evening. And that allowed me to travel and play international tennis tournaments. Um, went to college, played college tennis. I uh, went 2013 to 2017. I attended Abilene Christian University. And then when I graduated from college in 2017, it's the same year we built, uh, we had three paddle courts at my club, T-Bar-M. Um, so I started playing after college. I was so burnt out from tennis uh, that for me, transition was super easy. The sport, the skills transferred over really easy too. And it, to me, it was way more fun. So I just started playing paddle. Um, I didn't play tennis for like a year or two after college. And then I started, I joined some leagues. But then in... Uh, Maybe it was like 2018, 2019 is when I was like, okay, I'm done with tennis. And so I just started playing paddle. And then last May, so May of 21 is when I decided to quit my day job. I worked in finance for four years um, to do paddle full time. So I'm currently playing professionally. And then I, I also teach at TBRM. Fantastic. What would you say, um, what advice would you give to tennis players or, or to be honest, any racket sports players, maybe a squash player or another mm-hmm. kind of, you know, not dissimilar sport transitioning to paddle? What did you learn that you would want to pass on to others? The, the biggest piece of advice I would say is take lessons. Um, for me, I never had a coach. Uh, we didn't have any teachers or anything at my club. So everything that I've learned is self-taught. Um, I would watch videos, I'd record myself, I would do all this stuff to, to learn how to play. But if I had a coach from day one teaching me to actually use the wall, how to hit a bandeja, how to do all these shots, I think I could have improved quicker and faster. 
um, just because for the first two years I was playing paddle, I was playing tennis. I wasn't really using the walls. I wasn't hitting a bandeja. So I think if I would have had a coach from day one, it would have it would have ex- expedited my my curve to improve a lot quicker. So that's definitely the biggest piece of advice I have. It's just maybe it's one or two lessons, but I would recommend a lot more. But just lessons, lessons, lessons. Learn how to play the sport properly because in the end, the wall is your friend. It's not an enemy. Yeah, and what what a uh, that's a, I like that phrase. That's a good one. What a um, on the topic of coaching, we actually recently had uh, Sandy Farkerson from the Paddle School. Um, on on our show and you'll be familiar obviously with what he's done with kind of online tuition what Mm -hmm. uh have you seen any of his stuff and um what's your kind of response to that that version of coaching you know online tuition to you know because a lot of it will be in spanish right across the world if people Mm -hmm. log on to youtube they're going to get spanish-speaking videos a lot of the time uh for people that maybe don't speak spanish and want to learn from these new paddle countries have you firstly have you seen the paddle school um content and and what do you make of that kind of way of learning I have an uh, amazing content. Sandy does unbelievable job, and that was he was actually the, like the first quote unquote online coach that I started listening to and paying attention to because it was in English. Um, mm-hmm. Back in 2019, 2020, I was like, the internet's a great resource, so I was trying to find some tips and tricks and what to do, but everything was in Spanish, and I don't speak Spanish, so for me that was a huge. It was tough. It was really tough for me to learn in that aspect so when i saw that he was coming out with english contents i mean he was the first mover in that space and it just absolutely killed it so i'm a big proponent of it i love his content i love everything he's doing so and he was the first kind of like online coach that i started watching yeah sure as for your own game how would you describe uh nico agritelli's paddle game what's <laughs> what's the in a in a line what what's is it you know is it attacking is it you know what would you say to summarize your own version of paddle definitely aggressive um so my favorite player is martin deneno um mm-hmm. but who i like to try to base my game style off of is more like juan lebron because he plays on the right i play on the right but he's super aggressive um i'm not the biggest fan of juan lebron but i do respect and i appreciate his game style and how he plays just because he's super aggressive him and ali galan were kind of the first ones to really kind of take the old school paddle out of staying patient in the back and using the walls. They still use the walls, but they started attacking a lot more. And now you see Coelho and Tapia are doing the exact same thing, even to like maybe a higher level. Um, and I, I love that. I absolutely love that type of game style. It fits well into a tennis player's game. Um, so definitely attacking, aggressive. Yeah, I definitely love like a right-sided player being aggressive. I feel like that makes the difference a lot of the times. Um, Going back with what you said, so you've been playing like professionally for one year. Um, I just turned pro, I would say, within the last few months. So what sort of advice or what challenges have you faced during this last year for someone who's just about to turn pro? What would you say to them? Um, so one of the, some of the challenges I have faced is that in the U S paddle is not as developed as the rest of the world. Um, so we just don't have the same level here as like say South America or Europe. So one of the biggest challenges is, uh, if we want to go play my partner, Luis, and if we want to go play like a, a professional tournament, a FIP tournament or an A1, we have to go travel. So we made a Europe, uh, tour two or three months ago which was awesome incredible experience we did really well on the fips 
but it was expensive. We had to go travel to Europe. We spent three weeks over in Europe and then come back. So for us, it's really tough to do that. We, we need to do it more to take our game to the next level. But I'm very jealous of, of like yourself, Brittany, that lives in Spain. So for the Europeans, it's easier to travel to to the, the FIP tournaments because a lot of the FIP tournaments are over in Europe. Um, what advice do I have? Uh, train, train, train. Um, I mean, and if you if you can go go to Spain and train for a little bit, that's awesome. And then if you can go to Europe and do a, a three week circuit or even longer, I mean, playing those high level tournaments is the experience is that's where you're going to get better. And how would you compare like the the level? So when you went abroad to Europe and you played those tournaments, how how would you compare that to what you've been playing in the United States? It's way higher. The, the level in Europe is way way yeah. higher. One positive that we took out of it is we didn't I mean we knew the level was going to be high but we didn't know how like strong it was going to be so when we went over um we didn't get killed oh and oh so for us it was it was a great experience winning a couple of matches losing really tight matches knowing that we're not that far off from that level and the difference between us right now and getting to that next level is just competing at a higher level more often if we can play those type of matches weekly or every day I mean I think we could improve exponentially so next year we're definitely planning on doing more Europe trips South America trips because yeah yep. yeah love it um, so obviously you've traveled a lot in the United States played at a lot of different paddle courts what's your favorite paddle court that you've played on over there and where do people have to go Oof. that's a good question um, one of my favorite clubs uh, Court-wise, is in Miami. It's called Open Paddle. Uh, indoor facility. The ceiling is not super high, but it's manageable. But the courts, they're slow. They play amazing. So that's one of my favorite places. Uh, San Diego, also maybe one of my favorites. The weather there is just unbelievable. Any time of year, <laughs> 70 degrees Ta- Fahrenheit. Taxica. Perfect weather. Perfect, perfect weather. And San Diego is not a bad place to go. Yeah. Yeah. I was there, Nico. I was there this summer and it was uh yeah, it's I could quite easily emigrate there. It's the perfect place, isn't it? If you like warm weather, yeah. it's just got a lot I, of actually I do have to mention uh Paddle House up in New York. Um they just opened their second location in, in Dumbo in Brooklyn. Uh really high ceilings, super, super nice courts, four indoor courts. So that's that's gotta be up there as well with, with one of my favorite facilities. The and the, the community they have at Paddle House, the, the people they have, everybody's super, super friendly and nice. So that's I'd have to say that's also up there and one of my favorite places. Amazing. Just just on that, um New York and Paddle, right? So you know, there's no bigger market or more challenging market to go and take a new sport to. New York is tough to get any brand known, to get any person known to get any you know any new sport when you've got like a really entrenched sporting culture um in a city like that how you know i know santiago and the team they're doing a great job like how long is it gonna take this is a tough question but how long is it gonna take for this sport to get known to like new yorkers as a mass population are we talking years are we talking decades like what's your view on how new york will embrace this sport that is a tough question um I, I think it's going to be sooner than we think. Um, like New York is in, or sorry, Paddle House is on like the leading front, I think, of the paddle movement here in the U.S. What they're doing in New York is incredible. 
So if mm-hmm. new clubs uh, can kind of model and see what they're doing and then try to replicate that, I think other clubs are going to be successful. Um, they've done a phenomenal job of marketing, getting people out there to play. Um, like if you go to Miami, they have a huge market. It's already built up. But you'll go to a club, you'll walk into a club, and mm. you go to talk to somebody, and they're only speaking Spanish. And look, I get that. A lot of the population is Latino. They've, that's the low-hanging fruit that play the sport. But if we want the sport to grow in the U.S., um, we need more English speakers. We need more Americans playing the sport, which is what Paddlehouse has. So they've done a really good job of getting the low-hanging fruit of getting the Latinos to play, but also getting Americans to play. Um, so... And I guess getting racket sport players, you know, the Northeast is obviously a big racket sport, you know, has a good history with squash and platform tennis and tennis. So I guess tapping into those markets in New York as well is pretty key. I think it's like addicting. I mean, I've even like, I feel like influencers are starting to play paddle. I know Eva Longoria is like a big paddle girl. So once people just pick up the racket, I think it's going to gonna just triumph 100 <laughs> percent. everybody that i've introduced the sport to in dallas hey come out i'll give you 30 minute free lesson just try the sport i have not had one person dislike the sport every single person i bring it on the court loves it so i mean we just need we need more courts in the u.s but then we also need more coaches we could have fifty thousand courts tomorrow but if we don't have any coaches to teach them yeah. Well, then you're going to have a bunch of squash players playing squash on the t- paddle court or a bunch of tennis players playing tennis on the paddle court. So we need both courts and coaches. Yeah, I know, I know you're involved in paddle MBA. Mm-hmm. If you want to talk a little bit about what that is and let people know how to become coaches or um, even for players to learn, yeah. go ahead and talk about that. So it's, it's, a, it's a coaching certification, paddle MBA. Um, super amazing course. Uh, I did the course a couple of months ago. There's maybe like 12 hours of content you have to watch before even showing up for the in-person portion. All the content is great. It breaks down how to hit a forehand before the wall. It breaks down how to hit a forehand off the wall. How do you defend the double wall? Backside, side back. How to hit a bandeja. How to hit a volley. So not only are you learning how to hit these shots, but then you're learning how to teach the shots. So you'll watch all the videos uh, before you get to the in-person session, you come to the in-person session and we spend two days, eight hours each day, going over everything you've learned online, um, reviewing it, and then at the end of it, you take take a couple tests. Uh, and then if you pass the tests, you get certain levels of certifications and all the feedback we've had from people that have taken it said it's, it's the best thing ever. I did a certification, maybe it was like two weeks ago, in Philadelphia. And we had one guy come up, he's the director of a club up there, and he said he's done all the certifications. He's done platform, he's done tennis, he's done pickle, and this was his, he did paddle as well, and he said this was by far the best certification he'd ever taken. He had a blast doing it, the content was amazing. So for us to get feedback like that is, it's heartwarming, and it's not the first time we've gotten that type of feedback. We're constantly getting that type of feedback. So. I'm super passionate about it because I've dedicated myself to the sport. Um, I want to get more coaches involved. I want to get more people playing. And I think this is a great way for, for more people to learn. Um, and this is a great way for more coaches to get involved as well. 
and and this is a that's a you know a philosophy obviously shared by uh, Marcus Del Pilar, right? Yeah. Who's been at the forefront. I think he deserves a shout out on this topic because mm-hmm. he's been pushing the sport for years, you know. And it's like, let's be honest, it's not been in the main media. It's been very like a fringe sport. And okay, we're not there yet, but it's definitely making moves now. We see it talked about in the New York Times. Obviously, that's my world is, is the media coverage, etc. Uh, but we see it now with the Pro Paddle League. We see um, the clubs starting to accelerate in terms of the construction. So would you, you know, I think what Marcus has done, he's been like ahead of his time, really, in pushing the sport and every market needs that, right? And and now, hopefully, we're starting to see the reward from all of those early efforts from the likes of Marcos, yourself and others who've been pushing at this for for years to obviously be the best you can be as a player, but also, I guess, have that other passion, which is to grow the sport for a, a new country. Mm-hmm. I mean, you hit the nail on the head there. Like, the sport paddle in the U.S. wouldn't be where it is today without Marcos Del Pilar. He's done worlds of wonders for everything here between the PPL. I mean, that's revolutionizing, mm-hmm. I think, the sport all across the world. This upcoming year, there's, I don't know how many... There's going to be maybe 10 or 20 World Paddle Tour players coming to play in the PPL, which is incredible. Um, Marcos was the president of the USPA, our association, for a year and a half or maybe two years and did amazing things for the association. Um, he's doing the Paddle NBA thing, and I think he certified 450 coaches, something like that. He's done 42 oh, certifications. Wow. So he's really on the forefront of the movement, mm-hmm. and again, the, the sport wouldn't be where it is in the U.S. today without Marcos Del Pilar. So we, we the American citizens or the USA, we, we owe a big shout out to Marcos because he's, yeah. he's the We man. love you, Marcos. Yeah, sounds, sounds like we need to tee Marcos up for the pod as well. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Well, talking about the PPL, um, I want to hear about your experience and also congratulate you i know you were awarded mvp thank you um what was sort of like the highlight and if you want to talk a little bit more about the ppl so our listeners can learn about it yeah so the the ppl was kind of a brand new concept uh that was introduced into the puddle world um it's a team concept so there were seven teams in this first inaugural year uh, I was on the Arkansas Matrix. Brittany, you were on the, the Miami Paddle Club. Um, so it was kind of like a college tennis-style format where each team would go head-to-head. So Arkansas would play against Miami. And that head-to-head consisted of the first match was a women's match. Uh, the second match was a men's match. And each match counts as one point. If Miami won the first match, the women's match, and then Arkansas won the men's match, it would be tied one-to-one. Then it would go to a mixed doubles match. Um, if Miami won both matches, women's and men's, it was 2-0, match was over. And then Miami gets a point for, for winning that head-to-head match. Um, so that whole concept was brand new in the paddle world, which was an absolute blast to play. Me coming from college tennis, I'm a huge, huge fan of the team atmosphere. That's what college tennis was all yeah. about. I, I love playing paddle. Individual stuff is great, but I love playing for something like bigger than myself, higher than myself. So that's... For me, it was awesome. Um, and then also introducing mixed doubles into the equation, too. That was something brand new in the sport that had mm-hmm. never been done before either. So uh, some people didn't like it. I didn't mind it. I had a lot of fun on the court. But the, the dynamic was definitely different than just playing like a regular doubles match. Yeah. I know you played with Gata Tenorio. Mm-hmm. And how was that? And how was like switching over to the backhand side? 
<laughs> and having to dominate on that side. Uh, just being around Kata was incredible. I got to stay in uh, Tampa for five weeks, uh, which was an amazing experience. So we got to train with her every day. Um, practice, mental training, everything. So I was just trying to be like a sponge and soak up everything that she was talking about because she had such good information. And then getting to play with her, she fights. Oh, my gosh. I think it was at least <laughs> once per match she would dive on the court to try to get a ball. It was, it was awesome. That's yeah. <laughs> I remember seeing her more on the floor than on her feet. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, she's She put everything out there, and she's retired from the World Paddle Tour, but she can still play, and she still gives it everything she has. It's She's awesome. Yeah. So are you going to be coming back for 2024? I am. I, I, I re-signed with the uh, Arkansas Matrix uh, super excited for for this upcoming year. It's uh, they're gonna have a longer season this year, which is kind of cool. Actually, my team owner, uh, my team owner is here uh, at Houston right now. I'm looking over. She's she's playing this tournament with one of the one of her students from from Arkansas as well. Wow! So shout and what, out to what, Shannon what, Hudson. Shout out to Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> what um other changes can you talk about from last year? And uh, this year for 2024 for the PPL, what, what other changes are you seeing? So last year they did uh, like a condensed league, meaning it was five weeks um, all in one location. Um, so you, on the weekends, Saturday, Sunday, you'd play your dual matches. Um, it was great. I, I enjoyed that. It was short but long, but I enjoyed it because I got to stay in one location for five weeks. I got to train and compete with some really high-level people. But this year, they're going to elongate it so that I think it's like March. They're going to have a couple head-to-head matches. May, they're going to have a couple more head-to-head matches. Um, then they're going to have a conference tournament. And then the the playoffs later on in the year, I think it's November, they're going to have 12 teams this year instead of seven. So it's a bigger league. And they're going to have an East and a West conference. So you'll play all the teams in your conference. Um I think there's none of the dates are firmly announced yet. I think they're waiting to see what the schedule is going to be for Premier Paddle next year, so they can kind of try to work around some of those yeah. those dates and not have conflicting schedules. And yeah. so those some of those matches are going to be played at the home home cities, I guess, right? So is that what you're suggesting? The kind of early I think early phase. The end goal is for them to have like Arkansas play Miami in Arkansas, and then Arkansas play yeah. LA in LA. This year, I think when they have those playing dates they'll get maybe four or five teams from the conference and go to a neutral site so maybe one weekend everyone's like in the east conference will go over to new york and play a, a yeah. couple of the head-to-head matches in new york um yeah because i guess the the thing with the ppl is like the long-term game is obviously you have these franchise teams it's growing the fan base in those cities right so part of it is obviously having a great a great name like you say arkansas but actually the bigger picture, I imagine, for Shannon and others is to to build that community around that and build a fan base. And to do that, you need the facility, which they have. Um, but there's a whole lot of marketing and a whole kind of strategy that has to work alongside the, the pro team mm-hmm. to do that. Is that long term? You see that's a, a great way for the game to grow in the States? I do. I do. The franchise model is already booming here in the U.S. with the NFL, NBA, NHL, mm-hmm. hockey, football basketball these are all franchise models where it's hugely successful obviously these sports are more well known and more popular in the u.s um but so i think applying that same business model 
to paddle, I don't see why it wouldn't work. It's definitely going to take time. It's not going to be an overnight thing. But I, I do believe that it, it will work. Okay, last thing on the PPL. Um, congratulations on also being called back for the All-Star game. Um, what, when will that take place? And can people watch? Um, we want to know about that. It's going to take place, I think it's two weekends. I have it in my calendar. I don't know the exact date. But <laughs> I know it's going to be held in San Diego. Um, I've seen online you can buy tickets. I would assume it's going to be live streamed on YouTube. I'm not 100% sure. I don't, I don't have a whole lot of information. I just have my plane ticket. I know I'm going to San Diego, and I know I'm playing, and that's about all I know. I'm just going to show up and do my best. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. I think it's also itself. the same weekend that they're doing the draft. Okay. So that should be exciting to also see what other teams are doing, who they're bringing in, and see how it all plays out. Yeah, I've seen some uh, some teams have been starting to leak some of their or confirmed players on Instagram. So it's been really exciting to see, like, uh, Juan Martin Diaz and Maxi Sanchez, Lamperti. I think Lucia Sanz just confirmed she was going to San Diego. Uh, there was somebody else that just got confirmed to San Diego. So, I mean, there's some really big names coming to the, the PPL this year. And looking yeah. at another big kind of, um, I guess, entity, organization in paddle, aside from the PPL, we've got A1 paddle as right as well, which is starting to make, yep. some, make some noise. You recently competed in the, in the New York Central Park event which looked amazing. I mean, what an iconic location. I kept calling it the Home Alone ice, ice rink, but uh, it's, been in, it's been in many <laughs> movies. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, look, to talk about what you can about A1 Paddle and what you know of their, their plans and ambitions, and then talk you know, more specifically about that, that tournament. How was that to compete um, and in your, in your Paddle House merch as well? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, competing in Central Park and for A1 was, it was awesome. Like I, leading up to the tournament, I was telling my lessons and friends and everybody, like I was going to go play an international tournament in Central Park. And everyone was like, whoa, Central Park. Everybody was blown away. And then when we got there and we saw the venue, the location, the scenery behind it, I mean, it was like a dream come true. Um, so we were just super excited to get a wild card into the main draw. Got there. We, we were playing. Uh, wasn't our best first set. Second set, we kind of started to get a rhythm, won the second set, and won the third set. So not only were we happy just to get in and have that experience, but then to win a round for us was unbelievable. Um, and again, it shows that we're not that far off from that level. The experience was unmatched. Um, super happy that a one's starting yeah. to come to the U.S., and I know they have plans to to do other tournaments they were supposed to have a miami tournament starting on tuesday but that's gotten postponed and then they're supposed to have a vegas tournament in december i think it's like the 11th or 12th or 13th right. somewhere around there um still waiting on details more details about that but i love that a1's coming to, to the u.s they're starting to make some waves i'm hoping FIP Premier Paddle can also uh, make some appearances in the US next year as well. Yeah, I mean, it's great for the sport, right? Whoever actually of these tours is going to be hosting tournaments, it's going to be, it's great for the awareness and visibility of the sport. More people will know about it. It will grow mm -hmm. quicker. You know, it's, it all works for the greater good in, in my view. What, um, what are the tournaments you got coming up for the back end of this year? What's on your schedule? Apart from San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm in Houston, Texas right now. We're playing uh, our 
our U.S. tournament. It's called USPA. We have a, a 1,000 this weekend. Luis and I are playing. Um, from here, we were supposed to go directly to Miami to play the A1. That got postponed, so next week I'll have off. Um, then I think it's the 10th, 11th off. I have an event at T-Bar that I'm hosting. The following weekend after that is when San Diego is. Um, then after that, the day after Thanksgiving, uh, I was supposed to go to Acapulco to play in the Pan American Games, but that's actually been postponed as well. They had a Category 5 hurricane in Acapulco, and the whole city is underwater. So our thoughts and prayers go out to them. Um, actually, on my Instagram, I, I did repost a place where you can go and donate um, to help Acapulco uh, recoup. So if if people don't mind just taking a look at it, that it would greatly help out the city because that's where the sport uh, of paddles originated. So, I mean, we wouldn't be here talking today if it wasn't for Acapulco. And, and on that, Nico, where, uh, what's, yeah. what's your handle? Where can people find you on Instagram? Uh, my handle is Nico underscore A-G-R-I. So N-I-C-O underscore A-G-R-I. Okay, well, everyone should go and, go and take a look. That's a good cause. And for um, other people who want to play paddle in the U.S., other than USPA, I know you talked a little bit about that. What other opportunities are there? So there's a, is a, I guess, a relatively new circuit. It's called Red Paddle. Um, they have created a rating system uh, similar to tennis, similar to UTR, but it takes the, the age and the gender out of the equation. So you do like a little self-assessment to begin with, and it spits you out a number. Um, let's say, Brittany, you did the self-assessment, and you got a 15. So then you go and you sign up for this Red Paddle tournament, but you don't get to pick which division you want to play in. It'll put you into Division One, Division Two, or Division Three based upon your rating. So, Brittany, you and your partner, two girls, could be playing two 70-year-old men. But because you guys have similar ratings, it's the level is supposed to be fairly even. So they, they popped up in December of 21, and they've been hosting monthly tournaments in the U.S. here. So those have been awesome. I, I've had an absolute blast playing those. Um, and those are kind of the two big ones right now, but I always play the red paddle tournaments. They're always very well run. Excuse me. We have our USPA tournaments. They have at least one or two tournaments a month as well. So that's kind of what, what's been on our plate so far. Yeah, I love that. I love that you can play guys against girls, mixed doubles, you know, um, and I do want to ask you in terms of sponsors, how, do you have any, um, how, what's the best way to go about approaching sponsorship? What advice do you have uh, in that field? That's a, that's a tricky one. <laughs> Luis and I are actually trying to, trying to figure that out right now, too. Um, we, Luis and I are currently with Adidas uh, All Racket Sports. They're, uh, they give us clothes and paddles and equipment. And then Paddle House, we're part of their ambassador program. Uh, we're currently talking with a couple other um, companies to, to be part of their ambassador program as well. It's for companies. It's tough in the U.S. right now because it's kind of a blue ocean. There's not really a market, so people are trying to create the market. Um, it's how do you go about it? I don't know. We've thought about trying to talk to an agent because they'll have connections and, and they'll know people. But I mean, just yeah. talk to people, network. I love talking. I love networking. So I mean, we we're in talks with Match Eye right now, and. We just we were playing a tournament in New York, 
we won the tournament, so we were having celebratory beers afterwards. So I was going to go get another beer upstairs at Paddle House, and there was a guy up there, and I just started chatting with him for a second, and come to find out he's high up in Matchy and was like, loved how you guys play. We'd love to have you on as part of our ambassadors. And I was like, whoa. One, that wouldn't have happened if I wow. didn't go grab a new beer. And two, I mean, I started yeah. talking to some <laughs> brand new dude. Yep. That's the yep. moral of that story, right? Yeah, moral of the story, always get a beer after you play. <laughs> 100%. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But it's those it's those encounters that are going to just like, you know, shift your Correct. career up a notch, right? When it's at this kind of early stage as a sport, it's just like, it's just these chance encounters, meeting people that are also spotting the potential of the sport. and And it's just all kind of organic, I suppose, is the best word, right? Yeah, honestly, I think you'd be a great ambassador for any brand. You're like a number one American, super talented, really friendly. So I hope anyone listening comes sponsor Nico. Thank you. you. I really appreciate Um, it. And I want to ask you, what do you think separates a good player from the great player? What, like, what, what do you think is the main difference between you and Ale Galan, for instance? Um, one, he's been playing since three or four years old. So he has a little bit of time on me. Um, but honestly, I, I think match play experience is, is a big key. If my partner Luis and I, if we were in Spain training for a year, I bet you we could jump up tremendously. The, I mean, some of the best matches we get here in the U.S. is against Peter Alonso and Jacobo Blanco. And we always have battles with them. But I get to play at that level once a month, maybe once every other month, which for our growth is not its not going to be sustainable. We need to be playing that type of match daily. Um, so I do think in the near future we're going to have to make a Spain trip for a month or three months or six months or something like that to really improve our game to get the match play experience. And I... Right now, I think that's the big difference between Ali Galan and Nico and Luis. Maybe some coaching as well. We don't have any coaching. But. And I guess just a couple couple more from me before we get into the the kind of the drill of the quickfire questions that Britt loves to <laughs> fire at guests. Um, what about yourself kind of outside, you know, outside of paddle? What role models um, do you admire, be it fellow athletes or, or people from outside of sport? And, and what have you learned from them um, to take into your own career? Uh, so growing up, my favorite tennis player was Andre Agassi. Um, I loved how calm, cool, and collected he was. When I was watching him, is later on in his career. So he had kind of gone through his crazy phase. But so when I was watching him, I mean, win or lose the point, it's just serious to business. No, like no emotion, no negativity, no nothing. So I've that's been a big role model of mine. So when I'm playing, I do get excited and I do get pumped up, but I, I try not to dwell on the negatives, the things I can't control, because that's not going to help me. I have the, the saying that you have to have the brain of a goldfish, meaning whatever happened, you have to forget about it in seven seconds. The goldfish forget about everything in seven seconds. So he's been a huge role model. And then uh, Rafael Nadal, I mean, the guy's just a workhorse. You could break his leg and he's still going to go out there and he's still going to give everything he has He's going to compete. He's going to fight to the very last point. So I also, I like that attitude. I like that spirit. Um, and the guy just works. He works, 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 day in, day out, practice, everything. So those those are two of the biggest role models. And I've, I've tried to kind of base my personality around both of them. Yeah, they're great. 
two great warriors of their own generation, right? Yeah. Um, and then kind of paddle, you know, outside of paddle hobbies and interests, what do you like to do in your day-to-day life these days? Um, both my parents still live in Dallas, so I try to spend a lot of time with family. Um, when I'm in town, I love to hang out with friends. I'm not in town that much. Uh, another hobby I have is disc golf. I don't know if a lot of people know what disc okay. golf is, but it's I've heard about it's it. like golf, but instead of hitting a ball, you're throwing a Frisbee. So I'll throw the Frisbee. It gets close to the hole. So I go where I threw it is where I have to throw the next one. And you just, okay. yeah, it's, nice. it's something. Wow. It's fun. It, it sounds like an Olympic it's sport. It's a ton of fun. Way. It's a ton, of ton of fun. I highly <laughs> recommend if you've never played, go try it. I've seen that. That's hard. All right. There's my, there's my weekend. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to check that out. <laughs> I don't know if they have any of those in Madrid here, but maybe when I get back to the States. Yeah, I don't know if they have it in Madrid, but in the States, definitely. Okay, so let's move on to the five rapid quickfire questions. Um, you have a dinner, and you get to invite three of your favorite famous friends. Who are you inviting? I have to invite uh, Andre Agassi. Uh, I read part of his book, so I would love to just question him on the book. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio, because he's just an absolute legend. Um, and the third one, shoot, tough one. Maybe like uh, Will Ferrell, another actor, but he is, he's he just is hilarious. hilarious. Isn't he? <laughs> he's amazing. I would, I would love to grab a beer with him and just, just shoot the crap for a couple hours. Love that. Um, so. Well, speaking of actors, then, what's your favorite movie of all time? So this is going to be a left field one, but I have tied. One is Ratatouille, and the other one is Cars. <laughs> nice. Two animated movies, but okay. they're, they're awesome. <laughs> I haven't seen Cars. I'll, I'll have no? to put that down. No. Watch it. The first one is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and one food you can't live without? Mm, I'm not to say Asian food. I could eat Asian food every single day, all day. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, And pre-match song? In college, I listened to a lot of music before. Um, Now, actually, I don't really listen to music before a match. I will will do more of like, I don't know you call mental training, but more like mental prep. Uh, I try to envision what I'm going to do on the court, how I'm going to play, playing well, not necessarily like winning, but just how I'm structuring a point, me playing well on the court. So more of mental exercise than listening to music and trying to get pumped up. Gotcha. I mean, so, but you can tell us like your favorite karaoke song then instead of your pre-match song. Ooh. Um, <laughs> karaoke song, maybe Party in the USA by Miley Cyrus. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one that's a real good one um, everyone knows it <laughs> yeah i feel like everyone would be singing with you on that one for sure i don't sing well um, but hopefully everybody else sings so they drown out my singing <laughs> <laughs> and last one if you could have any superpower what would you want uh teleportation hands down that way i don't have to drive or walk or fly anywhere oh i want to go to madrid and train boom i'm there mm. Yeah. Amazing. Make life, yeah. make life much easier, huh? Much, much easier. 
Yeah. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Nico. You've been awesome. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate you guys having me on the, the paddle movement, and we are on the forefront of this paddle movement. So let's keep it going. Absolutely. Thanks, Nico, so much, yeah. and enjoy the rest of um, time in Dallas. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Well, thanks again to all our listeners. We are hugely appreciative at all the positive feedback we've had from the podcast so far and the guests we've had on. Um, don't forget to follow or subscribe to the show. That really helps us. It helps us be able to attract um, bigger community and uh, the guests that you want to have on in the future as well. And don't forget to send us your thoughts as well and your comments. Send us a 30-second voice note to thepaddlemovement at gmail.com. Um, and you can tell us what you want us to talk about uh, and any questions you might want answered as well um, from guests. So do check out our other shows as well. Just to recap, the Motormouth F1 podcast and the OMG MotoGP podcast, which are part of the Motormouth media network, of course. And follow us on socials as well so you can interact with all things the paddle movement. And you can follow us at Paddle Movement on Twitter or X, as it's now known, of course, and Paddle Movement Pod on Instagram and TikTok. But for now, it is goodbye from Brit. Goodbye. See you next time. And it's goodbye from me as well. So we look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks again.